This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. This is my favorite holiday. This is the one holiday I think we do better than the Americans. Because the weather's better. It's not as close to Christmas, so it doesn't get confused. And there's still football. Can someone say amen? And uh, we're glad you're in church today. Um, I want to take a minute and just say thank you to our church. Okay, I cried in the first service. Online, you're seeing this in person, but I'm trying not to be emotional today. In March 11th, it was seven months ago to the Sunday that we made a call, like really the whole world did, to shut down. A few days before Sunday, it was around a Thursday or a Wednesday, we knew it was coming and then we made the call, I think on a Thursday, and we went online. We didn't know it was going to be seven months. During that time, you start to go through questions of, we're doing this to help people, what's going to be left when we come back? You think that way with your businesses, we think that way about schools, and, and we just want to, on behalf of Nancy, myself, and our team, just want to say thank you for leaning in, for coming back, for being a church that's beyond a building, for being a church. We've grown with our online presence, but you've been faithful in your spirit, you've been faithful in your prayers, you've been faithful in your giving, and faithful in your attendance. <clears throat> this is awkward? It's getting a little awkward for me. But as a church, we want you to know we're so thankful for you. We love you. And this is the best Thanksgiving gift ever. Amen? We love you so much. So much, so much. Brian, you could bring that out. Thank you. We love you so much. Online church, we're glad you're joining us from all over uh, the world today. And we have people in person. And we are glad you're joining us in both, both places um, I want to say also welcome to our guests. It really is a big deal to come to church. And we know going anywhere new is like, am I dressed right? Am I, do I know what to say? I've been in moments when you're thinking, I don't know if I'm supposed to stand or sit or what to say. We just really honor you for coming today. It's a big deal to go somewhere new. And then in this season to navigate registration forms and, 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 and COVID restrictions and distancing, and you would make the effort to come to church today, to watch online. If someone's sharing this with you online, uh, to watch today, we think it's a huge deal. And if you're here in person, if you would just text that word guest to that number, if they, I'm going to throw them a little curveball. If you can throw that slide back up for connect. If you can just text the word guest to that number, we really want to make sure we give you a gift if you're here in person because it is a big deal. And thank you for trusting us. Thank you for trusting those that shared this online or those that brought you in person. And we're really glad you're here today. Can we pray together? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church. We thank you for those watching around the world today. We're thankful for those that are here in person today. God, our goal is clear today, is that we leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for our life. God, we're thankful on this Sunday. We're thankful on this Thanksgiving Sunday that you love us, that you have a plan for us. God, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, and everybody said, Oh, come on, church, it's been seven months. We can activate our voice. And everybody said, you're, come on, you're the 1130 crowd. Come on, somebody. You slept in. Some of you went for brunch. Come on. You got no kids with you? Okay, this is 1130 crowd. Uh, we're glad you're in church. We've been in a series for the last few weeks uh, for all fall called Code Red. 
And Code Red really is what it is, is we're going through the New Testament and we're pulling out the words of Jesus in my Bible and in your Bible. They're usually written in red. So we know Jesus said them. And we believe all of Scripture is inspired by God. But there's something about the words of Jesus that has power and declaration and direction for our lives. Code Red. When I was in Bible college many years ago, we had this one teacher from the South, and he always said it like this. He's like, just read the red and pray for the power. And you got to be from the South. you got to put that twang on at the end, especially if you're a preacher. Read the red and pray for the power. Ah, you know, ah. Pray for the power. And I realize there's a complication that comes with faith. We want to make it so complicated. But really today, we want to bring it down to be simple this fall and simple for us as a church. As we come back to meeting in person and online as we in, in uh, keep gathering influence and spreading and we want to make it simple that we just believe the words of Jesus are true for today that Jesus is our passion he is the reason why we are here we are Jesus people we are Jesus people and we're passionate about him we believe as we follow him he'll lead us to life amen can someone say amen to that Today I'm going to be reading from John chapter 14 if you have your bible John chapter 14 if you don't have a bible that's okay you'll see it on the screen behind me I'm going to read the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's a good line right there. If there's ever been a season when our hearts could be troubled, it's been this, this, this last season. I don't know of another time in our generation that has been so challenging. I hear stories. My favorite time period to study and watch and learn from is the Second World War. Apart from that, I don't, can't think of another time in the last hundred years where the whole world's been unified in a tension of chaos and order and navigating globally something together. And it's been such a challenging time. And here Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Easier said than done, Jesus. Wondering about jobs, economy, children, school, restrictions, sickness, health, everything that matters in our life, it's easy to get anxious and worried. But Jesus spoke words true then and true now. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you, and you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Then Thomas speaks up. I love this. Uh, he has questions, and he doesn't know the directions. He doesn't know how to get where Jesus is saying. And like most men, um, he's lost. The difference is with this man, is he actually asked for directions at this point. And he says this in verse 5, No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Today's main passage, verse 6. And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to talk on this topic, Q&A. Q and A. Uh, is Jesus real? If you haven't asked that question, it's a question you should ask. Whether you've come to church your whole life, or maybe today someone brought you, or you saw a post online, or maybe someone shared this on their Facebook, and you're watching today, is Jesus real? It's an important question to ask. Is Jesus real? Is he who he says he is, or isn't he? See, Jesus is either who he said he was, or he's not. And that changes everything. See, Jesus, if he's who he said he is, we need to listen to everything he said. 
We'd be smart to obey it, and we'd be passionate with our lives in following Jesus. The lines he said, the life that he lived. If he's who he said he is, it changes everything. Life is not normal. Life cannot be the same. When you've realized that Jesus loves you, that God made you on purpose, with a purpose, when you understand who this God is, that he loves you, that he wants to rescue you, he wants to help you, he wants to lead you, it changes life. But if he isn't who he says he is, we need to throw the whole thing out. There is no middle ground. See, some people have settled that Jesus was, a, you know, he was real. He's a historical figure. He was, he, was a, he was a guru, like Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, or way back Ricky Lake. Come on, somebody. Like, he, he was just a good teacher that we could be inspired. He's like the Gary V of the internet. We can just get inspired by Jesus. He's good. Throw him in there with any other guru. But Jesus made statements that only makes sense if he's God. Because if he's not God, then we have to throw the whole thing out. I was thinking about this this week, and did you know that, you know, through a mathematical lens, I'm not a mathematician, I don't like math, I don't like cats, and, and uh, there's a lot of things I don't like, and math is one of them. Where are my anti-math people? Anybody? Okay, all right, yeah. Some of you, math is a part of your life. You're accountants and engineers and professors and scientists. We have scientists on our team and engineers and doctors and but I was interesting, though I'm not a mathematician, looking at this through a mathematical lens, that Jesus in his life fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Whether it was decades or hundreds of years before his birth, Scripture writes down prophets, men of God, women of God, uh, stating things that will happen, that the Messiah, the one that God's going to send to save people, what he will do, what he will accomplish, what his life will be like. And Jesus, in his lifetime, fulfilled 300 of these prophecies. Here's an example of just eight of them that Jesus fulfilled. The time of his birth. We see it in Daniel 8. That he be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5. He be born of a virgin in Isaiah 7. That he be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Not 28, not 42. Specifically 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah chapter 11. That he be mocked. That he be crucified. That he be pierced. Psalm 22. That he would die with the wicked, but be buried with the rich. Isaiah 53. Mathematical professor and astronomy professor Peter Strauner made a statement that I thought was interesting. I thought I'd share it today. He said that the, the chances of anybody fulfilling just eight of these prophecies, and the chance of them coming true by sheer chance, is a one in ten to the 17th power. I think we have that number on screen. The chances of eight of these prophecies, someone fulfilling these by chance, the odds of that happening are one in 10 to the 17th number. That's a big number. That's like half my salary right there. That's a joke, people. It's at least a quarter of my salary. 10 to the 17th power. Just eight of them. He actually then, for us that, I'm not a numbers guy, he painted a picture, and I thought it was interesting. He said, if you took the province of Ontario, which is a huge province, you think about the northern tundra and Thunder Bay and down to Mississauga and over to um, Niagara-on-the-Lake and all the areas of Ontario in our province. If you're not from Canada, it's the same as the state of Texas. And You took that land mass and you took loonies, our dollar coin or a silver dollar in the States, and you took these and you covered the province in these one and a half feet deep. Cover the province, the whole province of Ontario, one and a half feet deep, then took one coin and put a mark on it. A happy face, a, a, a red mark on it, a piece of tape. 
and you threw it somewhere in the province into that, into that mass of loonies, one and a half feet deep over the whole province, and then you told somebody to randomly walk through with one chance only, wander the province, one chance only, and find that exact loony. That's the odds of one in 10 to the 17th power. If you added eight more prophecies, just 16 prophecies, it would, be, it would be the same as the odds of 1 in 10 to the 28th times 10 to the 17th. Or odds of 1 in 10 to the 45th. That's a huge number right there. I think that's like our national debt right there, you know? <laughs> that's just the odds of him fulfilling 16. And the Jesus we follow fulfilled over 300 of these. Listen, I don't know who you are today, what your history is, but you need to know that as we wrestle with who was Jesus, he makes a statement in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That statement, he's either God or he isn't. And through spiritual lenses or mathematical lenses or archaeology, archaeological lenses, he was more than a teacher, more than a man, more than a poet. He was and is God. And it changes everything. I've officially this year watched enough press conferences for my lifetime. Anybody else can say amen to that? Amen. Question and answers. People answering questions that no one asks. I've watched so many provincial press conferences. When are they opening doors? When are, can we go back? When can we shop? When can we go to movies? Is the bubble opening or shutting? And then I've watched national press conferences wondering about stimulus packages and how the nation's doing. I've seen more than enough American press conferences to do my lifetime in the last seven months. It's amazing, a lot of these press conferences, especially the ones south of the border, that the people giving the press conferences are answering questions no one's asking. They'll ask a question about the pandemic, and the person, I won't say who, but is speaking, will talk about the election they won four years previous. And like, that wasn't the question. What does emails from somebody else have to do with what we're doing now and masks? And so many times we're answering questions no one's asking. In John 14, Jesus, understanding the day he lived in and the day we would live in, answers questions that all of us are asking. Question and answers. Many times people are answering questions no one's asking, but in John 14, Jesus speaks to our very heart. He says he is the way, the truth, and the life. You need to understand right here what Jesus did. He drew a line in the sand. Notice he didn't say, I am a way. I am a truth, and I am a life. The second you put the in front of something, you're making a definitive statement that there is only one. There's this argument online during the NBA playoffs, who is the greatest player of all time? Most and many people say Michael Jordan, and then some say, no, no, what about Wilt Chamberlain? And now with LeBron closing in, I believe, on his fourth championship, they're saying, if he wins this, maybe he is the greatest of all time. And there's this wrestling, and no one can define the Greatest. Jesus in this moment makes a statement. He says, There's, I'm not a way. I'm not a truth. I'm not a way of life. He says, no, no, you need to understand today, in all the options, in all the variable, in all the spin, in all the angles, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is what Jesus is saying in this verse. It changes everything. He's saying a lot by saying little, by saying he is the way. He wanted to clearly remove any chance of misunderstanding or spin. Jesus says, I am the way. 
What was he meaning when he said, I am the way? The first thing he was speaking to was eternity. He is the way for eternal life. Eternity matters a lot. You hear me today? Eternity matters a lot. We don't like talking about the next life because it means the end of this life. We, I, I, in my 45 years, I don't think I've ever remembered a time when we're more fixated on this life and avoiding the next. When I grew up in church, I'm a church kid, we used to sing songs about the sweet by and by and just hang on for glory. I was in prayer meetings that were praying about heaven. I was, we sang songs about heaven. We talked about heaven. I lived right out of fear that I was going to die and miss heaven. But something has changed over the decades, and we are focused more on this life, and we don't like thinking about the next life. But then we are confronted with moments that make us realize that life, though it is valuable, though it is tense sometimes, is short. Over the pandemic, one of our church members, a great friend, lost his father. We did a graveside burial, and there's a handful of people there, and in that moment, Everyone is confronted with the fact that life is a vapor. It's temporary. It is wonderful. It is worth it. It is challenging. It is valuable, but it is short. Maybe you drive by an accident scene or you hear of a tragedy and we're reminded that this life does not last forever. I got a call this week from a friend in the States who lost his grandfather to COVID and we're confronted with the fact that life is short. One person said this about life. They said, life, none of us gets out of this alive. I don't think they wrote birthday cards, that person. You know, not the most encouraging thing. I remember being in the hospital as a young man and hearing a, a doctor behind a curtain giving bad news to somebody. And he said it like this. He said, let me just tell you that life is a terminal disease. What he's trying to say is, does it matter whether we live to be 90 or 20 or two months or two days, that life is temporary. Jesus was saying here, I am the way. He was saying, listen, I know you're focused on this life, but there's something else to come, and I am the way for that next chapter. Life is a chapter in a longer story. This is just a chapter. We spend so much of our focus on the comfort of this life, I think many times we neglect the destination of the next one. I've never, I've never been more comfortable. Life is challenging. Life is hard. But I have heated seats in my car. Come on, somebody. We rented a truck a couple weeks ago, and the window had to be rolled down in the U-Haul truck. And my daughter, who is 13, thought it was the best thing ever. Can we get these for our car? I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? We're not going backwards. We have power windows now. She loved it. She goes, I want these when I get a car. I want a window that rolls down. I'm like, no, 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 we have comfort now. I don't need to fix the, climb over and fix the mirror. I can just do it from my car. Life is built for comfort. So many times we focus on the comfort of this life that we neglect to focus on the destination of the next life. Jesus says, I am the way. He says that when you follow me, I'll look after you in the next life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, talks about death. It says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us, I'm talking about believers, even myself, some of us, our fear in death, our fear in tragedy, even in this season, 
confirms to me in my heart, maybe I don't fully know Jesus the way because there's still a sting in death. You ever been around somebody that knows Jesus the way? They grieve. Grieving is not the opposite of faith. It's a part of faith. But they grieve the loss of a relationship, but there's a hope and a joy understanding that this chapter is done in someone's life, but there's a longer story. I think so much as a church, we have let the sting come back in of death. Why? Because we don't understand fully Jesus the way. That he will look after us in this life and the next. Jesus said, I am the way, talking about eternity. But he's also, second thing he was talking about was direction here, now. I am the way. Jesus didn't offer direction in the next life so we could get lost in this one. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't offer us direction in the next life just so we could wander purposeless, aimless, lost, frustrated, totally out of sorts in this life. He is the way. He is direction for us. I've discovered this about life. Life is one intersection after another. Have you realized that yet? An intersection is always a place of options. Left, right, straight, backwards, where do I go? I I remember as a young man, I remember thinking the biggest decision I would make in life is what I was going to do for a job. You want to freak out a young man in grade 11? Ask him what he's going to do after high school. They look at you like a cow at a new gate. They look confused. Girls seem to figure it out in grade 9. I don't know what class they take differently, but they seem to figure it out earlier. Girls go to the bathroom in groups. Have you seen this? You guys do this? I don't know what happens in grade 9. I think they go to the bathroom together and come out, and they all know what they're going to do with their life. Guys seem to have a hard time figuring it out. Grade 11 guys, 40-year-old guys, 50-year-old guys, we all have a hard time figuring it out. I remember thinking, if I can just figure out, am I going to be an architect? Am I going to do this? Am I going to be a pastor? Am I going to be in marketing? Am I going to do this? What am I going to do if I can just figure that out? If I can just solve that, that'll solve if I go to college or university, whether I intern, whether I apprentice. I thought if I could just figure that out. And I quickly realized that life is one intersection after another. Have you realized yet? If you can figure out where you're going to go to college, then you're going to navigate the next transition of after college, what are you going to do for a job? You finally get a job, you think this is it, and all of a sudden you navigate relationships. Do I stay single? Do I get married? You navigate families and kids or no kids and what that looks like, and then you realize you need to navigate and get a better job. They downsize, they upsize, you promote, you move, you change, and all of a sudden you're navigating vocational things every couple years. Then you're navigating teenagers and then empty nesters and then retirement and then do you have enough money? And I realized life is never sorted. It's one intersection after another. Jesus didn't say he is just direction for the next life. He wanted to let you know that he wants to lead us in this life. Make no mistakes today. You were born on purpose, with purpose. There is a purpose for this time. There's a call on your life, sir. Man, there's a reason why you are here. God has purposes for us. and And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. I will guide you in this life and the next. Psalm 119 says it like this. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. On this journey, though it's dark at times and foggy and confusing, he wants to speak to us and lead us on this journey. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not aimless. Some of you need to know that today as we navigate jobs and economy and schooling and transitions and relationships and life that the God that made you and the God that saved you and the God that wants to prepare a place for you is the same God that wants to lead you in this season. I believe God can lead us in our lives. 
Jesus goes on, he says, not only am I the way, he says, I am the truth. What a statement. In Jesus, there is nothing false, nothing misleading. There's no, nothing fake. There is no spin. There's no spin. Mental health is a real issue during this season, isn't it? It's been for me. I don't know if it's been for you. I'm so thankful we talk about it more than we ever had, but there's spiritual health, there's physical health, there's mental health. And I realize in the middle, you know, people are watching all over the world, but for Nova Scotians, it's been a challenging seven months. Like everyone, we've dealt with pandemics, but there's also been some tragedies and some horrible things happen in our province. I know during the season, as I started watching the news, about a month ago, I realized I need to stop watching American news. Something started to happen to my, my mind and my spirit. I started feeling under it. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I'd watch an, an event or a tragedy unfold, and depending on what channel you watch, they spun it, and they, they spin the content to match their narrative. And I'd, I'd watch one TV channel, and it was all these people's fault. And I'd tune to another channel, and no, no, it's not our fault. It's their fault. And no matter what you watched, it spun it to meet their narrative. And I'm thinking, who's telling me the truth? Who's the blame for this? Who's responsible for this? Who is hands are dirty because of this tragedy? I got frustrated. I said, I can't watch the news anymore. Why? Because I needed to guard truth in my heart. Jesus says, I am the truth. There's no spin with Jesus. Jesus, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Tory or a liberal or a new Democrat. He is God Almighty and he is truth. He is absolute. And in our culture, there is no absolute truth. Well, listen, pastor, what's true for you is true for you, but it's not true for me. What's true for them is good for them, but it's not true for us. Jesus says, no, no, I'm not a truth. Some people don't eat meat. Some people don't eat vegetables. Some people believe in getting up early. Some believe in staying up late. Some believe in working out. Some believe in stretching. Some don't. There's all these options. But when it comes to the foundations of the earth, Jesus says, I am the truth. There's no spin with him. In changing cultures and narratives and spins, I'm so thankful in the middle of this, I have a true north. I have truth. And it is the person of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on. And says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Again, Jesus is speaking to the eternal, but he's also speaking to the now. Right now. We are so busy chasing contentment in a culture of discontentment. Have you noticed that yet? Our culture is discontent. It promises contentment, but it only leads to more discontentment. You got your phone. You're proud of your phone. You spent your $4,000 buying your phone two years ago, and then they upgrade it. Screen gets bigger, more brighter. The camera has now three cameras that can catch you jumping and put a filter and, and bunny ears on you, and you're like, I need that phone. And all of a sudden, your phone that was top of the line, cutting edge, amazing, just 18 months ago is now obsolete, and you're discontent. Your car company, you buy your car. And all of a sudden, they change the bumper for the year 2020 or 2021. And they change the grill. Maybe they, they add something to a mirror, and now it can do one more thing. You're like, oh, my, my car is obsolete. I'm discontent with my car. I know it's an old car now because the grill is black, not silver. The new ones have silver grills. And the car that we were content with, now we're discontent because they offer out something new. Relationships. We said we'll be faithful to friendships and spouses and then someone promises a new feeling and new opportunity and new butterflies. And all of a sudden, as 
we go through it, what we thought was exciting and relevant and fulfilling, our heart starts to drift to discontentment. And we chase contentment in a world of discontentment. It's like being surrounded by salt water lost at sea. Dying of thirst and drinking salt water. It promises to quench your thirst, but all it does is increase your thirst. That's the culture we live in. And Jesus, in the middle of this culture, knowing what we'd be going through, says, you need to hear me today. I am life. Another passage says, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. Fulfillment. You need to hear me today. Life is not easy. Do not mistake this preacher going, life is easy and it's all promises and it's all good. Life is hard. But it is worth it. And there's fulfillment in it. When you understand life is the person of Jesus Christ, not a car, not a new relationship, not a new gadget or salary or status on social media. John 10, Jesus reminds us with an analogy. He speaks and he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Not an easy life, but a satisfying life. Are you discontent today? He satisfies. He says, I'm the good shepherd. A good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Satisfying life is only found in Jesus. He is the life. He sacrificed his life so we don't have to. He gave his life so we could live. He was wounded so we wouldn't have to live hurt. Some of you need to understand this today because you're walking around wounded. I believe in scars, not wounds. I got scars. This person hurt me. And that situation went bad and I hurt somebody and I got a scar from it. Scars happen. Scars speak to your story of healing. He didn't, he wasn't wounded so we could live hurt. That marriage went bad 20 years ago and I'm still carrying that hurt. Let Jesus heal that hurt. That business failed and I feel like I'm a failure. No, no, he was wounded so you don't have to live hurt. He was abandoned so we wouldn't have to be alone. Listen, you can be socially distant but spiritually connected because he is the life. He was broken so we could live whole, not driven by emptiness to another drink, another purchase, another bed. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the Jesus we follow. And in a statement in these words in John 14, he says, I'm not an option. I am the way for this life and the next. I am the truth. I'm not spinning it. I'm giving you the facts and the truth. It's hard, but it's worth it. And I am the life. I'll look after you in the next life, but I've got you in this one. If you follow me, it'll not be easy, but it will be satisfying. I'm a lot of things, folks, but I'm not dissatisfied. I'm tired. I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little weepy today. But I'm satisfied knowing He is enough for me. Today, as we close, for those online and in person, I want to pray for two groups of people today. First is, you know Jesus, you love Jesus. You've given your life to follow him the best you can and sure it's rocky and challenging, but you know Jesus. But somewhere 
recently, maybe in the last seven months, maybe longer, maybe sooner. Somewhere you've stopped following the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you believe his direction, maybe you believe his truth, but your satisfaction is looking to other places. You're chasing that, that promotion, and you're chasing that relationship, you're chasing that possession, and you feel like you're on this hamster wheel of trying to get ahead, and you're never satisfied. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe in this season you're overwhelmed with fear. Fear is not the opposite of faith. It's faith in the wrong source. Fear is just faith believing that the news will come true, that every statistic will happen, that worst case will happen. All fear and faith are the same thing. We just choose to put our faith in the words of Jesus that he's got us in this life and the next. That this chapter is important, but it's just a chapter. There's more. If you say, Mike, I'm struggling in my faith, I want to pray for you. And pray for his Holy Spirit to encourage you with every head bowed just for a moment, online and in person. Just close your eyes for a moment for privacy. You say, Mike, I want you to pray for my faith. I love Jesus. I know Jesus, but I've been struggling. Can you just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for these people that love you, that know you, that want you. I pray that whether it be online or in person, we move past just religious jargon and ceremony from attending or tuning in. We pray that we'd have an encounter with the living Jesus. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I speak direction, I speak truth, and I speak fulfillment right now to your people. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Second group I want to pray for today real quick as we get ready to close. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. Someone invited me today. Maybe someone shared this online. I don't know how I stumbled upon this service or walked in this building, but I'm here in this moment. It's not random. It's not just a, a random Sunday morning thing. And you want to know Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, which says, I believe Jesus is God and he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you believe in your heart, a miracle happens. A relationship starts with Jesus, not joining a church. It's not membership. It's not attendance. You can't give enough. You can't sing enough. You can't come enough to church. It's not that. A miracle happens. That the God that made you, informs you, saves you, and joins with you in the way, the truth, and the life becomes a part of you. And he'll lead you. You say, I don't know that Jesus. With every head bowed just for a moment, you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. That I would know Jesus and that he would lead me in my life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, both online and in person. One. It's not everybody, but it's somebody today. Two, this is your moment. This is the day that a miracle happens three all over this place. If you want to raise your hand up, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now that you're still doing miracles, that you're still introducing yourself to people as the way, truth, and life. God, forgive us for our sin and our past. Forgive us where we've done things our own way. Would you come in right now and make yourself real? Would you join with us? Would you lead us? Would you forgive us for our past? And would you make sense of our present? And would you lead us into our future? Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, everybody said, amen. Can we all stand to our feet today? On this Thanksgiving Sunday, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for you. And we're thankful for a God that promises to lead us and never leave us. Can someone say amen?
Come on, as we close, let's sing this together because God is so good. Amen? Let's sing.